I will begin with a poem. The words on labels tell this tale in recipes, in ads, by mail. And chances are, at work or play, you'll see these famous words today. Just add water. You'd be surprised how many things are dry and useless till one brings the magic liquid known to all. You use it when you heed the call. Just add water. To illustrate and prove this thought, remember all the food you've bought on which was printed clear and bright instructions that make cooking light. Just add water. Imagine for a minute, please, an arid wasteland bare of trees. This could be farmland, rich and good, and quite productive if we could just add water. What turns cement into concrete? What changes seed to golden wheat? No other words now known to man can answer that, but these words can. Just add water. The poet David Ford reminds us of how our existence depends so ultimately on water. And while here in Minnesota we are surrounded with it, proximity can breed complacency. It's so easy to forget that although it has no form of its own, water is the creative matrix for form in everything else. Water, earth, air, and fire. We are made up of these elemental energies. They underlie the evolution of our planet. Yet as basic as these energies are to our own lives, it is so easy in the modern world to disassociate ourselves from them, to intentionally or unintentionally create a barrier between the natural world and ourselves. And that is worrisome because, as Florence Stacy said, when we forget the water, we forget the child who begins in the water. When we forget the child, we forget ourselves and then we forget the world. And so isn't that why we all gather here on Sunday mornings, especially this Sunday morning, to remember? So we won't forget the child, ourselves, the world, and the water we all depend on? Because you know how it is. Some days, all we feel we'll have time for is our jobs, our families, our children, our grandchildren, our friends. And we read in the paper or see on the news something about an angry Chilean farmer whose land was drained by water of a bottling company, or tribes in Africa fighting over water rights, or the problem of plastic bottles in landfills, or dried up a reservoir near Atlanta, Georgia, and it can all seem so far away from Minnesota that all these bits and pieces of information can pass before our eyes and ears, our hearts and minds, as just more data in the stream of daily news. And yet, our need for water is ever-present in our lives because we know somewhere in our shared ancient memory 
because earth, air, fire, and water are the elemental energies of this planet. We know that our future and that of our children lies not in overcoming these energies, but in aligning ourselves with them. And so we gather to awaken our collective memory, because even here in Minnesota, we sometimes forget our shared life. Sometimes we forget that we are a watershed. The word watershed means an area of land that drains to a common point where there's a shedding of waters. But a watershed is also a gathering place where hills and plains and people's lives are connected by falling rain, melting snow, and flowing water. The poet Octavio Paz described a watershed when he wrote, You open land, your mouth full of water, your body gushes sky, you burst land, your seeds explode and the world grows green. We're sitting in a watershed right now. Some watersheds are millions of square miles, while others are just a few acres. A mosaic of basins, sub-basins, and catchments, visible through its streams and rivers, and each of us changes the watershed day by day, bit by bit, as we go about the business of our lives. In a watershed, we all live downstream. And we need to remember this because we all get thirsty. As the poet said, we can't help being thirsty, moving toward the voice of water. Milk drinkers draw close to the mother. Muslims, Christians, Jews, Buddhists, Hindus, shamans, Everyone hears the intelligent sound and moves with thirst to meet it. Thirst is part of our individual and collective life-giving instincts. So when we hear of people deprived of water, it seems unnatural, inhuman. As our very own Charlie Clements, head of the UU Service Committee, said, People are waking up to the global water crisis. The human right to water is linked to human dignity. Well, if that's so, who should control water? The ethicist Maud Barlow wrote, quote, Water, says the World Bank, is a human need, not a human right. These are semantics. The difference in interpretation is crucial. A human need can be supplied in many ways, especially by those with money. No one can sell or trade a human right. End of quote. Did you know that there are just 10 corporations delivering fresh water and wastewater services to over 300 million customers in over 100 countries in the world. And private companies, water companies, could not expand without the protection 
of powerful institutions like the IMF and World Bank. To give you an idea of how insidious the control of water has become, even a few years ago, the World Bank stated that, quote, one way or another, water will soon be moved around the world as oil is now, end of quote. This is a crucial moment, and indeed I think it's a watershed moment in the history of our planet. Decisions about the ownership of water will determine who will have access to it. As Ms. Barlow said, quote, the answer to the world's growing water crisis lies on the twin foundations of conservation and equity. Even the most conscientious of private companies cannot run a business on those ethics. There are some areas of life that should be marked a part of the commons and set aside from the rules of the marketplace. Water is one of them. Water belongs to the earth and all species and is a fundamental human right. Water, she says, must be declared a public trust." End quote. And so today, as a church community, we move toward conservation and equity. Downstairs in the social hall, the EcoMinds has several examples of things we can do. And the list of things we can do goes on and on as we consider what it means to just add water to our lives. We, as a church community, are ourselves a watershed the holders and keepers of the earth, the holders and keepers of the common good. The Hopi elders remind us of this when they wrote a letter to the people, part of which said, quote, tell the people that this is the hour, that there are things to be considered. Where are you living? What are you doing? What are your relationships? Where is your water? It is time to speak your truth, create your community, and do not look outside yourself for the leader. The time of the lone wolf is over. Gather yourselves. Banish the word struggle from your attitude and your vocabulary. All that we do now must be done in a sacred manner and in celebration. We are the ones we have been waiting for. End quote. As a Unitarian Universalist, I try to live out my belief in the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part, as I'm sure do all of you. And one of our UU ministers put this thought in a different way last year when she said, our individualism whether as persons or nations, has led us to act as if we can meet our personal needs, sustain our lifestyles, attend at a time of our choosing to those in need, conserve a little when it is convenient, and use as much as we need for our comfort. Yet there is the will and the money to spend billions on a war over oil. This spring, in the season of rebirth and renewal, perhaps it is to our own souls we should attend. This planet as never before depends on us. 
So we at first universalists then are the holders of the common good. So let's say it again. All that we do now must be done in a sacred manner and in celebration. We are the ones we've been waiting for.